This is a shock podcast. Shock. Ferrari just won P3 in the Constructors' Championship. They're ahead now of Aston. And it seems that Alonso's the only one doing all the heavy lifting in, in the team. Genuinely. Yes. Yeah. Stroll's like, he's not even contributing anything. Money talks, right? I think Lars should turn around and go back to F2. <laughs> and then come, <laughs> come back again when he's ready. When the share price goes up. That's not easy, man. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Suited and Booted, the F1 podcast. Uh, for those of you that are not driving, you may notice that we're now a video podcast, or at least this episode is. So please do give us even more feedback. Uh, let us know what you think, if you like seeing our faces, or if you just like hearing our voices, or if you don't even like hearing our voices, let us know. We'd love to hear all the feedback. We have just wrapped up Monza, the Temple of Speed. Pretty exciting race. I mean, qualifying was extremely exciting. It's the first weekend in a while where it hasn't actually rained at all. And uh, I mean, I was saying before, like we needed some some wet weather to have that excitement, but quality was very surprising indeed. It was, it was. I mean, qualifying was extremely close between Carlos, Max and Charles. I mean, they were less than a tenth. I mean, 500 of a second be between each other, yeah. followed by George, Sergio, Alex Albon in P6. I mean, he's been, I think he's been the strongest Mercedes engine car or driver on, on the grid so far, like since, since the summer break. And we've actually got some Someone asking us to talk a little bit more about Williams too, because he wants to understand what's the key to their success. Why have they been doing so well compared to teams like Mercedes? So we'll touch on that a little bit later. Yeah, I want to know what he did during the summer break. Yeah, I want to know what yacht <laughs> he was on because that that boy is just like sweet start, locked yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> sweet start, right? And then we've got Oscar, Lewis, Lando, and Fernando to cap off the top ten. So I can't really understand. You know, we we saw strong performance between uh, both Aston Martin and Alpine as well in Zandvoort really high downforce track but they seem to be struggling so much here in Monza it, it's almost as if they forgot to take the downforce off to be honest guys like it's, it's good to see the Ferraris up front at the moment it's been a while since they actually qualified on pole position but you're right judging from Alpine's loss of performance Aston's loss of of competitiveness age, you know, it's quite disappointing. But in hindsight, there's good battles up front. So that's very much very healthy. But you're right, Albin, like where did that piece come from? Mm -hmm. Because it's not the tyres, not the car. Is it the driver? Um, is it the girlfriend? Is it the girlfriend? I, th I think it's the girlfriend. <laughs> Honestly, he looks so happy. Yeah. yeah. I know our producer's going to cut this out as well if we go down a rabbit hole. But I'm just going to say, I, I think it is his girlfriend. They'd like, yeah. They're like they yeah. like a power couple. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to end it there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, in terms of the kind of performance of the cars you were saying Aston not really there I, I I do agree and Monza is one of those tracks where because it's so unique it's it's so fast mm -hmm. right a lot of tracks around the world you've got that good combination of tight corners very very slow speed you got your little bits of high speed you got your medium speed so you need a car that's very versatile in all those conditions but Monza's on the other end of the spectrum it's just fast right it's high yeah. speed that's why they tone down everything when it comes to the aero body work um you know you can see online those kind of side-by-side -side comparisons of the, of the rear wing right most tracks they have that fat rear wing. It's like taking up so much space. And then Monza is just kind of like streamlined. They're going like full Dolphin mode. Yeah. But even with that happening, right? We know that, okay, maybe the Aston Martin isn't doing so well at the high speed. You still have Alonso qualifying 10th, right? He's in the yeah. top 10, which is still commendable, right? You're in the top 50%. But man, I've got here in my notes, I wrote Stroll P20 lol. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, I mean, that, no, that, that's not the card. Ferrari just won P3 in the Constructors' Championship. They're ahead now of Aston. And it seems that Alonso's the only one doing all the heavy lifting in, in the team. Genuinely. Because, yeah. Stroll's like, he's not even contributing anything. But he is financially. Funny <laughs> story after quality, there was a statement immediately by Mike Crack the team principal of Aston and he said we're fairly confident of um, Stroll's turnaround yeah. or his performance to stay in Aston so wait a minute I mean the guy's been outbeaten by a 42-year-old uh, double world champion and you're confident, I mean, you know, yeah. you're still confident for him to stay in that seat. They have a reserve driver who's a F2 champion, oh, you know, uh, Drogovic. Mm, Drogovic. Drogovic. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's he might be a better candidate. I don't know. Yeah. But um, money talks, right? I think Lars should turn around and go back to F2 <laughs> and then come, <laughs> come back to your when he's ready. When the share price goes up, he <laughs> stays, man. <laughs> but but what, what is the exit plan, right? Like, like is I mean, I mean, even for the father, like, at what point does the dad decide my son is no longer going to race in this team? He's still in his prime. He's young. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Stroll is 26, 27. Yeah. So he's got, I mean, judging by his teammate, he's got like another 20 years ahead of him at least. But what, another 20 years in P20? Uh, so I was going to say what Stroll should do is buy a second team. Yeah. <laughs> But Lance and their second team, <laughs> As Aston Tauri. <laughs> no, fair enough. But I, I mean, like for reals though, I, I don't know. But that's the problem about young drivers jumping into Formula 1 very early. I mean, he's never driven big cars. Mm -hmm. He's only did mm -hmm. karting and Formula 4, Formula 3, won the European Championship and, and drove for Williams. Mm -hmm. I remember he did like 25 days or 30 days of testing prior to his Williams drive. But then again, he was in his early 20s. That's right. It's the same like Max, right? Yes. You've got into Formula 1 so young and so early. And when you're 26, you're, where do I go now, right? I've got performing and, you know, Aston's probably the best team I, I have a chance with. Is it like Latifi and, and Nick where mm -hmm. you start going back to school? <laughs> uh, yeah, Nick, Nick Latifi <laughs> and, uh, and Driver Gossip has just uh, signed up for his MBA. He's going to be at uh, London School of Business. Yeah. He needs right. a backup plan. Good job. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deployed Nick, plan B. Exactly. And Nick's at Harvard. There was a shot of him uh, attending the, the launch of the E1 Powerboat series. So, yeah. uh, boats, the next thing. I mean, so, so wheels don't work for Sacrifice your own life to get there. Yeah. Back to school. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, uh, that is fair enough. Um, it is cutthroat for young drivers. It is a awfully exclusive club. Uh, but speaking of young drivers, I put here in my notes as well. Those of you that are watching this on video, now you know that like none of this is just retained in our brains. We're just constantly referring to our notes. But also on my notes, Lawson, respectable P12. You know, I was saying we needed the wet weather to have an interesting weekend. Um, but I think Lawson was one driver that was kind of like, Please, for the love of God, give me give me dry weather all weekend uh, to finally find the limit of the car. Yeah, he was one position, one tenth behind Yuki Tsunoda, which I think is pretty damn good. Yeah, in his second race, Q two in his second race, one tenth of his teammate. Mm -hmm. Very respectable. Yeah, he's yeah. not a competitive car, guys. You know, to jump in in a scenario from Zandvoort, just having one FP three. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the best debut Grand Prix because of the conditions, etc. But he's never put a foot wrong. It's yeah. like he's destined for it. He's mature at it. Even facing the media and how he presents himself as a Red Bull driver, it's he's deserves that seat. To be honest with you yeah. guys, and I and I feel and I hope that that you know that yeah. seat comes. I'm to me. I'm glad he had that opportunity because then now he's proving himself. He's not making silly mistakes that new drivers come in and make, like like Sergio Perez going off in 
in in free practice. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Sonoda during his debut with the curse yeah. thing and uh, locking up tyres and yeah. crashing to teammates, etc. Yeah. I mean, he, Lawson's, Lawson's done a good job. Ricardo would be punching a wall if he could. He cannot because he still has a broken wrist. Uh, so I'm sure he's going to be kicking a lot of stuff because he knows it. Again, we said this last episode. I think this is like absolute worst case scenario for him. Liam Lawson is doing a good job. And we can talk more about how we did in the race after this. I just want to touch on one more driver that may not be performing as well. We were talking about how good Albon is doing. Yeah. Sergeant, man. I mean, that Delta. I mean, he qualified P15, you know, and you've got Albon again into Q3. It just doesn't look good. I mean, James Viles did mention uh, before the race, uh, what were your expectations this weekend and the upcoming races? And he said, we're in a good window, but Sargent really needs to prove himself to retain that seat. Mm -hmm. You know, despite having sponsorship and having the American name, American flag, but that doesn't do justice enough uh, yeah. that Williams Williams drive. I think James previously during his years in Honda, he's groomed drivers like Mike Conway, um, Degrassi and etc. So he knows what a young driver needs. So if the tools are given and you're not performing, might have a short lifespan in Formula 1. So it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's a cutthroat world, but yeah, he's got only a couple of races left to, to turn that season around. Yeah. I think they could have done better with the driver pairing, in my opinion, for Williams. I mean, if you look at the race results, you've got the two Red Bulls, Max and Sergio, followed by two Ferraris, Carlos and Charles, then Mercedes, George and Lewis, and then you've got Alex Albon going solo, and then you've got Lando, Fernando, Valtteri, and then Liam finishing in P11, and then the rest is, you know, we don't really care about the rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know what yeah. the rest of them thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. about. I mean, I, I think... Logan, if he showed improvement, especially after the summer break, getting at least close to a ten, two tens behind Alex, sure, he's shown signs that he has what it takes to be there in a Williams. But he hasn't. He hasn't shown any of that raw speed or raw talent that maybe Williams think he has. Yeah, adding to, adding to yeah. that, actually, Ron, thinking about it, is the level of maturity. Mm -hmm. You know, having to deal with fighting for championships, um, having to deal with, for example, uh, Helmut Marko, you know, under the program. Maybe lost, um, Sergeant was a bit too early. I know he finished fourth on his debut year in F2. But then again, is that really enough? Lawson did well as well, you know, comparing to a young driver. But then they sent him to Japan in a world that's completely unknown. Not a lot of people speak English. You don't know the racing. You don't know the tyres. But man, he's fighting with the championship. So sometimes the level of maturity when he arrives to Formula 1, you know, I've raced in Japan. I raced, I raced in Europe. I've done ample amount of karting. Maybe Sergeant's a bit immature. Mm -hmm. uh, to where, where he's at. I think I think this raises a, a kind of key point that I think a lot of maybe other pundits can't pick up because they've never raced before. And it really is around drivers just clicking with the car, right? You can be a super fan and be like, oh, well, this driver won this and this and this and this. And yeah, you can be P1 up until F2. But the minute you get to F1, it is a different car. It's a different car every single time. And if you don't click, you just don't click, Right. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad driver per se, but if you don't click and because it's so cutthroat, that is enough of a reason to kind of be kicked out because you have two races to show it. There are so many other drivers that can click, you know, and Verstappen is a great example of that. Verstappen can get into any car in any championship, in any country, in any condition, 
and we know that he is so talented that he will click. But if you're a driver that's done tens and you know hundreds of hours of testing to get to a position where you're comfortable in an F3 car, then you do hundreds of more hours of testing to be comfortable into an F2 car, mm. and you do win. But then you get to F1, and there's a limit on testing, and you don't have time to click. I think it you is know, what it is. We touched on this as well in the previous podcast, saying that you can be an extremely talented driver to be in Formula 1, but you need to be exceptional yeah. if you want to win in F1, like Max. Uh, there was a meme saying that back in 2015, people were saying, oh, Max is too young to be in Formula 1. Yeah. And then now they're like, oh, now every race is won by either Max or Verstappen. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to have that, that little bit um, that's just above, like, like you have to be a Fernando, a Lewis, a Max. Um, Charles has yet to sort of prove himself. Carlos has done very well in Monza. Mm, um, yeah. But there are drivers that just come and go from Formula 1, like, uh, let's say, Boemi, um, Algaswari, yep. um, guys like these that, they have a shot, they do it, but they can't really make it and they're out. But you're right. It doesn't mean that they're not talented. They're super talented still to be able to get there, but they're just not world champion material. I mean, yeah, look at, look at Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, when you won Carlos. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got, got him on camera now. So you can see the tears slowly flowing down. Actually, all of our faces because we're all pretty much retired at this point. <laughs> well, at least I am. Moving swiftly on. Uh, this is the most time we've spent talking about qualifying and we still needed to kind of touch upon the top three just because it was that amazing. You know, I think, I think there were a lot of disappointments as we've just spent a lot of time talking about. Mm -hmm. But the top three was insane. I mean, as you were saying, 0.067 seconds between the top three. Now, to put that in perspective, I think the general rule of thumb when we race cars is that, or even go-karts, one-tenth of a second is one car length in time, right? So like actual distance. So if you're racing with someone and you're one-tenth slower, you generally lose one go-kart length or one car F1 car length per lap. So to be 0.067, I don't have a tape measure. We don't have an F1 car here. But it's like... It's like that much. It's like a front wing. Front it's like, yeah, let's yeah. say it's a front wing between three drivers on a track that has how many corners? Mm, a total about 12, I think. 12-ish corners. Yeah. And you're traveling at 300 plus kilometers an hour. I mean, that's pretty damn insane. Mm -hmm. um, so speaking of talent, I think all three of those drivers up front do have it. So good to see signs up there. Yeah. We're going to be on TikTok, <laughs> so I'm going to do my Carlos Sainz impersonation. Uh, <laughs> hello, my name is Carlos Sainz. I'm an driver for Scuderia Ferrari. Uh, we are here in Monza, and he got P1. Um, <laughs> that's it, I'm done. I'm, I'm going home after this. Yeah, anything else you guys want to touch upon? For I mean, it was like Leclerc pole, then Verstappen pole, and then yeah. Tafosi going mad, yeah. as they always do. To see Ferrari... Do well in Monza is always a happy sight. Uh, whether or not you're a Ferrari fan, actually everyone's a Ferrari fan, whether or not they admit it. Yeah. But especially at their home track with all the, what do you call it, Tifosi? Yeah. Yeah. The guys it's, in red. It's so incredible to see that, especially like during the podium ceremony. On the topic of the Tifosi, let's talk about how important it is to actually have a strong home crowd. And look, I know everybody says this like as a very cheesy thing where it's kind of like, oh, they're in front of their home crowds, they get energy. But I think we can't underestimate how psychological sport is, mm -hmm. right? When you do play in front of your home crowd, you get like a little 5% performance boost. And the Tifosi is like next level. I think it's Tifosi and then Japanese fans and then everybody else. Yeah. So I feel like Ferrari needed that. Mm -hmm. They kind of got that and they're probably going to lose that 10% performance bonus <laughs> in the next race. That's right. I mean, being a Ferrari driver is, is a mega privilege, right? But having to perform in that pressure because you're carrying such a big brand behind mm -hmm. your shoulders. But what I find most impressive is the drivers are all multilingual. Mm -hmm. So they do their interviews in Italian. 
with the Italian press. And that is another bonus of media and, and branding exposure. Then they do their interview in French, you know, and then they do it in English. Yeah. And then so on and so forth, right? And having that Ferrari brand to do multiple languages and having to do launches before the race weekend, right? Mm -hmm. with, the, with the new outfits, with the new car, with the new store. Like, it's such an incredible uh, race weekend to be at. But sometimes to manage that time before a race weekend, you don't you don't want to be worn out before the free practice, right? Yeah, okay. Because, you know, from 8 in the morning till 8 at night, you're just attending to to sponsorship events. But but they did. They, they performed, you know. It might be a good season turnaround for them. You yeah. know, they, they've been crashing and, and, you know, we were talking in the last few podcasts about Carlos having talks with Audi and preparing 2026 plans and etc. But Formula One and Ferrari moves very swiftly. Mm -hmm. Like one race can just turn around the next three to five years. So I think they've got a good base to work on. It gives them a confidence boost at the moment. And, and yeah, I mean, high hopes for Ferrari to peep up a few more positions. I don't know. I think they're just going to bin it the next race. I, I think it was just a Monza one-off. <laughs> I think they just kind of, they felt the energy and I think they're just going to keep for the next, <laughs> next couple of races. All right, let's actually talk about the race now. Have either of you raced at Monza? I have actually, yeah. Okay, from the view. I've dreamt of racing there before. Yeah, so have I. <laughs> <laughs> PlayStation a couple of times, and that, that's about it. Uh, what's it like? Uh, well, there's a reason why it's called the Temple of Speed. It's just driving into Monza. It's a huge park. You know, it's, it's called Parco di Monza and a portion of the park is, is a circuit. So it's been there since the 1930s, 33, and they actually celebrated their 101-year anniversary um, over the weekend. So you get goosebumps coming to the track because mm -hmm. everything is original, you know. Nothing fancy about the grandstands, nothing fancy about the paddock or anything. Just a historic. It's just pure racing. Mm -hmm. And there's a portion of the track that they keep um, still maintaining it, uh, which is the, the big oval. The, the banks. The yep, bank yeah. oval, which is super impressive. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at the time when I was racing, um, it was mostly Formula 3 and World Series. Um, I had a big crash at the main street. Tell us more. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was battling with Sorensen and we touched wheels and, and, and crashed into the wall directly mm. at where the T4C grandstand was. All right. And by the time the car stopped, uh, I got out of the car and the first person that was there was my mom. So my mom was actually sitting at the T4C stand like oh my God. in tears. Um, was the crowd cheering? Uh, not really. Everyone was taking pictures because Sorensen flipped and I, I ended up in the wall. And oh, fruit. But, um, but yeah, Monza is an awesome circuit. Nothing has changed since. I, I know the Parabolica curbs change every year but bracing that gives you super spine tingling goosebumps okay well then you can give us a bit more insight into how difficult overtaking is uh some pretty good moves up and down the field uh at the start of the race a couple laps in we saw albon slim shadying in around the outside held his own p7 i yeah. mean he lost a couple positions but uh i think you wanted to talk a bit more about about albon are we yeah. gonna end it on it's all down to his girl <laughs> <laughs> um we had this question from mr james tong he wants to know more about Williams improvement how and why where did they find this amount of speed in such a short time is it James Valls who's basically the mastermind behind it all after he left Mercedes or who is and what is the key to their success I think operationally they're a lot more streamlined than before mm -hmm. previously maybe with with Jos Capito he, he came from Volkswagen in a very big organization so you know maybe the um the the organization chart was a bit more broad but for James even though he was from Mercedes 
the core race team was still the same guys from BAR, Honda, Braun, and, and Mercedes. They called them the Brackley, um, boys. the Brackley boys, right? So I think he's done well on that. Uh, they've got two experienced engineers. One of them is Gaetan, who who used to be highly successful in in ART and developing young drivers. He's done DTM, uh, World Endurance Championship, and now Formula One for a couple of years. So he's got good baseline to work on, but. I can see a streamlined organization to pinpoint problems and make better decisions than before. And and Alban was from a big team as well. So now having things a bit more streamlined seems to be less of a headache to 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 set up that car. But I think they're in an uphill trajectory. If they had three sure. cars within the top 10, their development is going to be way ahead than others. So in summary, they've got better leadership, better direction and they know what they're doing now. Exactly. And they have a, they have a long-term plan, right? I, I think we can't underestimate the power of a good operational head. I don't watch football and I, I've asked this question to kind of death, but maybe it'll relate more to our audience. But if a manager in football can have such a massive effect on the same is it 10 or 12 guys? I really don't watch football. Is it 12? 12. 12? Yeah. It's so embarrassing. Yeah, I think it's 12. Yeah. 11? I don't know. Whatever. You're 10 <laughs> to 12 guys. I really I don't watch football. <laughs> if changing that one guy can have an effect on a team's performance, imagine the effect of one person where there's engineering involved, where there's R&D involved, where there's pit crew involved, where there's, again, actual athletes involved, right? Your your possibility for change is multiplied by a thousand mm -hmm. right right so i yeah I, I agree i think i think williams has finally taken the right steps after years and years of just mistakes and mess and disappointment and i'm really really hoping uh, albon can get that car back yeah. on the podium agreed the Italian Grand Prix also saw Max Verstappen take his 10th consecutive win. So now he smashed through that record held by Sebastian Vettel. I mean, do we want to... I, 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 I act the same way every single time. It's like, do we want to say anything else about the guy? Like, I'm so happy for him. Are you actually happy for him? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well... There was a pre-grid talk with Jackie Stewart before the race. And, you know, Jackie is a, a multiple world champion and he, he had his own team and, and he's, he's a well-established... Uh, person in uh, uh, motorsport and one thing to note about Max in any race we can go to is that he has a clear mind he doesn't look pressured uh, he doesn't look intimidated he doesn't look stressed so you know when you see other compatriots uh, for example Norris was like you know how's going yeah you know there's a bit of understeer oversteer whatever and then when you look at Ferrari drivers uh, yeah you know it could have been better um, yeah home crowd blah 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 but when it comes to Max, when he presents himself, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, we can be better mm -hmm. here, here, and here. Um, but we'll see. We'll see next repractice. So we'll see next quality. Um, and then when he qualifies second, he's like, mm, uh, it's okay. Yeah, it doesn't you make know? up some like Correct. excuse saying, yeah. oh yeah, we could have gained a 10th here and there. Correct. Yeah. There's, there's this guy, F1 pundits, who grabbed him before the race. So um, Max, what's your expectation for the race? Nothing less than P1. That confidence. P0. P0. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing less than P1. And and that's it. The conversation ends. So that clear mind and that level of confidence in that car, in mm -hmm. that environment. I mean, Ron, we were talking about, you know, Honda is the only engine power unit with Red Bull, right? Yeah. Under, under RBPT. Doesn't matter. High downforce, low downforce. You know, you look at other teams' interviews. Yeah, you know, we don't have enough grunt here. We don't have torque here. We don't have battery deployment here. Red Bull's like... We got Max. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wherever we go, Wherever we well, go. good. Yeah. Ten, winning 10 Grand Prix in a row. Oh. I mean, it's... The weird thing is, right, like, when you when you get to know other racing drivers, you know that... A, I'm going to say us now, right? A lot of us are 
faking it. You got a bunch of guys that are nice, you know, they're funny. You got these two clowns, you know, and you know that when you know them as friends as well, you know that they're actually fun, nice guys. If you look like you're racing against Lando Norris, you know the guy is this gamer on weekends. He's a little bit timid. He's a little bit awkward. He's a, he's a funny guy. So when you're racing hard against them, you're like, okay, I know that he's faking this press conference or this, th I know he's faking this interview to come across as more psychologically attacky, right? He's trying mm -hmm. to have that game face on. But the thing with the game face is, I know that with a lot of drivers, it's a mask. With Perez, you know it's a mask. You know that guy's a softie, yeah. right? Minister of Defense, king of softie. <laughs> and when he is doing an interview, it's just because he's been kicked up the backside by some Red Bull senior exec. And he's like, oh, now I have to, you know, pretend to be yeah. aggressive. But the thing with Verstappen is, that's actually who he is. That's what makes him so much more That's terrifying on track. Yeah. So if yeah. I'm racing against Verstappen, I know that he's not just pretending to be aggressive. The guy is aggressive. Yeah. 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 And that just brings you to a whole other level of of confidence on on track. Yeah. And and it's amazing how he can switch on and off so well. Mm. He was just playing paddleboard with uh, Car uh, not Carl, sorry, Lando, Alex, and George in mm. in Monaco before Monza, and it was all good and giggled, you know, laughing giggles, and then. Straight to race weekend, boom. I bet that was the most set to win. Aggressive paddleboard. <laughs> 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 so, Nothing less than P1. Yeah. <laughs> Just along the coast of Monaco. <laughs> That's brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, okay, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Max, king on the streets, king on the, I was going to say sheets. On the, <laughs> <laughs> on the sea, king of paddleboarding yeah. as well. So uh, it's not paddleboarding. It's paddle the paddle. Oh, paddle. paddle. Pedal, yeah, like, yeah. like tennis. Oh, well, oh damn. Yeah, okay. All right, right. We're yeah, talking yeah. about rushes. Yeah, yes. I, could, I just and missed and the mark. It's 11 people. Moving swiftly on. What else do we have to talk about? We've got, uh, let's talk about Perez then. We talk about Max. We're going to naturally talk about Perez. Uh, we're usually bullying Perez. Now we get to do it on camera. Um, I have here finally back on form question mark. It looked like he was playing on easy mode. I'm going to say that's down to the car. Back on form, maybe because he finished P2, but come on, he didn't even qualify that well. No. I mean, I feel like I said something controversial. No, no, no. So. I, I, I completely agree because even in the race, uh, it looks like he took a long time to get to the position where was he messy. should be. It was very messy. He could have, like, when he wanted to overtake George, it took him a couple of tries, you know, when it should have been, all right, I'm going to attack right. here, overtake, move on to P3, P2, and, and so on. But it took him a long time to sort of get there. And, and he just... kept cutting chicanes and stuff. I mean, it wasn't even like, yeah. I'm going to make this move and make it stick. Yeah. It was a kind of like, uh, I'm going to make a move. I'm going to lock up. I'm going to keep going straight because I'm going to try and gain more time. Yeah. Which, is that actually a tactic? <laughs> and, and there was one where he, you know, he's saying on the radio like, oh, George didn't leave me any space. But when you look at the replay, the cars will, they could fit three cars in between. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like, it's these kind of things where I don't think he's performing at his best. And it's not, it's not looking great on it, to be fair. Yeah, even, even with a P2. I would say it's a, it's a disappointing P2. I'm probably going to get flack for that uh, after this episode. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a year left in his contract, right? And what? What I admire the media is that every single weekend they keep pressing to Christian Horner or, or Helmut Marko. Is he staying? Is he staying? Mm. Is he staying? And that's not healthy when you see the yeah. tabloids and, and news saying, oh, uh, Perez, a question mark for 2025 or 2024, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Knowing Red Bull, they can just drop anyone at any time, right? And they will. And they will. Okay. Exactly. So, um, but there's a pattern of rumor, pattern of gossip about 
Norris beginning to get the ball rolling to talk with Red Bull. Oh. So, I mean, we don't know. There were shots seeing about them having a chat and etc. Anything can happen there. But yeah, the pressure from Perez is not looking right. And qualifying has not been an improvement for him. We know as racing drivers how crucial qualifying mm-hmm. is. Especially like Monza. Yeah. So difficult to overtake. Position placements on the grid and uh, scenarios for pit stops and all that kind of stuff. So to summarize, yes, it took quite a long time. They had split strategies, but it made the team more stressed to work even harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he needs to turn that season around these last few races. I've read an interview with Hamilton basically saying that he's had a stronger teammate lineup than Verstappen ever, ever has, right? He had Nico Rosberg, won a world championship. Uh, he had Bottas, et cetera, et cetera. He had Alonso at one point as well. So let's say Norris does make the move to Red Bull and Verstappen finally has a strong teammate. I mean, what kind of dynamic are we going to get to see? Because we're talking about how mature he is, but I think it's easy to be mature when you're in the fastest car on the grid and you've got Captain Slow as your teammate, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, this is the best teammate I've ever had. Like, yeah, of course you're going to say it's the best teammate you've mm-hmm. ever had. But if you have someone competent, I mean, is that you going to see another side of Max? Are you going to see that more aggressive, reckless side of him coming back? Well, it depends what race and what situation, right? I think at this juncture, Max is looking to seal that championship. So as this number two or, you know, fighting for that battle is to see whether that battle is actually worth it. Um, who is he defending? Uh, you know, at the moment, they won a Red Bull 1-2 in the championship and they won that Constructors. Mm-hmm. So I think the core now is for them to seal Max's title and then seal Constructors. And then once they seal that, they can help Perez to, to be number two. Then they seal everything. I think they're, they're on the right path, but they have to look in their mirrors simply because of Perez, right? Yeah. Um, Alonso is always a threat. Every single race, he's, he's scoring points, except in Spa, where he had, he had a shunt. But it's crucial to know who you're battling. I think they have to pick their battles a bit to, to safeguard that championship. Yeah. Um, nobody's going to enjoy being Max's teammate. Yeah. That's a given. And it's hard to believe Lando might actually make the move if a good deal is strong because he wants to be the number one driver, not settle for second in the team. Anyone who goes and pairs with Max, you know you're going up he'll be three-time world champion by then. Yeah. Um, a guy who's got already 10 consecutive wins. He's Red Bull's golden boy. How are you going to fight that? How are you going to uh, sign a deal to 2028? There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm not going to lie. I hope it happens. From an entertainment standpoint, mm-hmm. I kind of want a repeat of the Alonso-Hamilton saga. You know, I want really just sassy, bombastic side-eye like pit stops, you yeah. know. I want behind-the-scenes drama mm-hmm. in the pits where they're, okay, maybe not throwing helmets at each other. That's extreme. I do not condone this. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I just want a bit more excitement you know, yeah. at the back. And I, and I know Verstappen is the golden boy to give that as well. Because yeah. if you mess with Verstappen, yeah. I mean, he will bite back. It, it, it would be easier to be teammates with Max as a complete rookie because you have no expectation. Yeah. You're the underdog. You just do as you do. You know Max is going to do Max. Yeah. Um, and then you just do your own thing. But if you're already like the number one driver, McLaren, for example, going to Red Bull as the number two, you're expected to perform as well, if not better, that Max. than Max as well. Yeah. So yeah. you have a lot of pressure. You can't deal with that and it's just going to go up in smokes. I think you have to judge by whether you can drive an Adrian Newey car. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen drivers like Gasly, Albon, uh, Kvyat, uh, who jumps in there and they struggle. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, they struggle to drive a high rate car where for the viewers listening, it's, it's, it's a car that's a bit more pointed up the nose, mm. um, which is very sharp on, on, on entry. Even Danny Rick, you know, he's won a couple of races in there, but he, they, he didn't win championships. Yeah. Mm. But Danny Rick then drove with Renault and mm-hmm. McLaren and he couldn't drive any other cars, yeah. right? So now whether Norris can adapt in, in that end of the spectrum, I mean, mm-hmm. judging from the rumour and where is that, Perez has settled in quite well. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe after having uh, a hefty amount of experience in Formula 1, driving different cars, different teams and etc. But driving in each renewing car is surely not easy. So being a number two is one thing, but to close the gap with someone familiar in setting up the car like Adrian Newey, um, only a handful can can do that. Yeah, and if Norris makes the move, that does leave Piastri from number two to potentially number one, depending on his teammate, who his teammate will be. But as a number two, he had two collisions this race. Kind of sloppy. Mm-hmm. Wasn't too bad, but still a little bit sloppy. First with his teammate uh, into the chicane, knocked his front wheel with Lando's rear wheel, and then later on, with Hamilton, that was very, very messy as well. Yeah, H- Hamilton apologized for that, though. He, he did, did say. he did, but still a, a bit of a scrappy yeah. race, m- more than what McLaren would have wanted. Uh, I mean, that scrap with Hamilton potentially mm-hmm. cost Piastri even more positions, and potentially yeah. the race. It could have gone so much worse with both of them going off the track. I don't know, the McLaren kind of all over the place. They're a bit, mm. a bit moody. Yeah, I think they, they're trying to get two cars in the top eight or whatever it was, and, and Piastri did that incident. I mean, Ron, we were watching earlier. Why would you do it on your outlet? Yeah. You know, Bathing with a teammate and yeah. Yeah. rubbing tires and rubbing yeah. bodywork. Is that necessary? I mean, you have fresh set of tires where you can you can uh, battle later on, right? But at the same time, uh, maybe the expectations from Zandvoort was, you know, they're going to be on the front row again and etc. But that dematerialized. Um, they don't look comfortable as well. But one thing I've, I find is, I'm sure we've watched Formula 1 races for many years and looking at the chicane, you could normally see two cars going into the chicane, mm-hmm. but current Formula One cars are so big. Way too yeah, big. Wait. You know, uh, coming from junior formulas like like Oscar and etc., you can't fit two cars anymore. Yeah, and you can see like some of them on a full lock, and they just let go because uh, you know with the eighteen inch tires and the big rear wing and. Yeah. You can't fit two cars anymore. So it looks so scruffy, mm-hmm. even from a McLaren standpoint. But even other cars, you know, like Lewis trying to trying to open up to go into the chicane and he rocked wheels with, with Piastri. So it might just also yeah. be Monza with with the, with the current spec F1 car. Yeah, and a lot of the drivers have that muscle memory. I feel like overtaking in this new era of car over the last couple of years, I personally don't enjoy the overtaking maneuvers as much because it's just them sticking it around the outside, mm-hmm. right? These cars with their, their, their floor and all of their winglets, they generate so much downforce that even if you were to go offline onto the dirty bit of the track, we're seeing them go side by side, whereas if you do that in junior formula, where there's not as much downforce, I mean, that's where you twitch, 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 and then you go off the track. Yeah, you correct, know? yeah. And so, I don't know, like, I, I see all of these, like, move of the race, overtake of the race, and I, and I look at it, and I'm kind of like, there was no... Okay, I'm going to say there's no skill. I'm also going to get flagged for that. <laughs> um, there was some skill. There is less skill involved in comparison to dive bombing, accurately Correct. sending it on yep. the inside nailing your breaking point i mean it's so hard to judge a breaking point when you're not actually on the racing line mm-hmm. so i don't know yeah we'll see it might be better racing in some of the newer tracks yeah know? yeah it might be more suited in in um you know tracks like Abu Dhabi, for example or uh we don't know vegas might be a street circuit but yeah it's it's 
the cars too big, guys. You know, yeah, it's getting I mean, bigger and bigger. Yeah, and it makes the racing dull. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. because it's Bridgestone times were the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Formula One is following the kind of route of uh, Mini Coopers. They're just getting bigger and bigger. Let's talk about the last bit of the race now. I really want to focus on Ferrari. We can't focus. We can't not focus on Ferrari being at Monza. Were they battling too hard at the end? I mean, look, maybe they didn't have the package to ultimately win the race, but I don't think they did themselves any favors. That scrap at the end between Carlos and Charles, I don't know, I was kind of on my seat. They were locking up multiple times, ruining their tires. There were points where they looked like they were going to collide. And it's kind of like, you have a secured P3. This is the, one of the best kind of duo positions you've had in front of your home crowd. Yeah. You're about to hand Russell a podium. Yeah. Would you I let mean, them race? It's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you were a team boss, I mean, you are a team boss. It's, well, if you trust the drivers enough to not completely throw that position away, that is great for the fans, right? Yeah. For their home crowd fans. If they finish. But if they finish, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if something goes wrong and they do a Hamilton-Rosberg in Spain, then yeah, nobody wins at the end of the day. Yeah. All the fans are going to go home crying. Ferrari's got zero points. So it is a very risky move. Uh, so as a yes and no. I mean, if it's a calculated risk, mm -hmm. right, to dive bomb, then it's fine. You know, you're, you're, you want to have the podium, final podium spot in Ferrari colors in Italy, yeah. right? But they not worth that risk. I mean, guys, you know, third and fourth is better than DNFs, right? Mm -hmm. Why even bother, right? I know Ferrari let them race. I know they don't want a number one, number two, but they have to be mindful about where they are. This recovery means a lot to them. Yeah, yeah. it was very, very close. Ultimately, Tafosi did get a podium. It was, albeit a very disappointing one, uh, having started on pole position. But to round off, uh, the Italian Grand Prix, I'd say pretty exciting. Sad day for the Tifosi. Uh So as is tradition, this is going to be the first time we do it on camera. We're going to do our win it or bin it. And once again, I don't actually know who our win it or bin it's are. We're going to say it about that entirely. Think about it. you got like three seconds. You're going to go with win or bin it? Win first. Win it first. Win it first. Ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Albert. Nice. Ooh. Okay. I forgot about Albon. <laughs> I'm just like, he sorry, won. no, yeah. I'll, I'll go with, oh, okay. We, we know, we know why yeah. Max would be number one. Yeah. Uh, Albon, just, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Solid yeah. performance yeah. in an underrated P car. Seven. Peace and race. Yep. Solid P1 in our hearts. <laughs> okay. Bennett. Ready? You got it? You got it? Yeah. You got to say Okay. Bennett. Three, two, one. Sorry. sorry. Oh, all different. Okay. Yeah. Who did you say? Perez. Why? Just didn't impress me. It's Perez. Yeah. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> what did you say? Sergeant. Sergeant. Um, I think he's. I think he's got to go. I'm sorry to say, but he hasn't. He hasn't turned his season around, and it's already almost towards the end of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. I said Stroll because for all the reasons that I mentioned just now, Stroll <laughs> is just disappointing, and I might keep voting Stroll as my Bennett for the rest of the season. <laughs> we shall see. Um, okay. Looking forward, in two weeks' time, we have the Singapore Grand Prix. Uh, we no longer have a Malaysian Grand Prix, so I guess that's our home Grand Prix. And you guys will be there. I will not, because you guys are watching this, you guys haven't sponsored me yet. Um, so you can send me uh, sponsorship tickets next time. But you guys will be reporting directly from the track. You can see my tears now. <laughs> I'll, um, pick, I'll pick you up from the airport, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be picking you up. I'll be oh, the driver. <laughs> <laughs> not the driver I want to be. Let's talk about the track. They always say it's the toughest track on the calendar. Why? I've never driven there before. I can't really say, but based on all the driver's complaints, it's not so much the physicality of driving the track, in a way, 
but it's the humidity and the, mm. the heat that we all experience here. Like it's, you know, it, it's our everyday life. Um, and drivers from Europe, from other places in the world coming here, even the mechanics, you see them like dripping with sweat. Yeah. I think they just suffer with that kind of humidity that we are very used to. So we're the superheroes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of the longest races in calendar uh, in terms of time, mm -hmm. I think it clicks off about two hours um, in the car, in that heat. Drivers lose about four to five kilos of, of water weight mm -hmm. yeah. just on that weekend alone. And managing uh, time zones because although some drivers deal with jet lag, but the sessions are at night. So mm -hmm. trying to stretch that sleep with a lot of sunlight is, is also not that easy. So yeah, it's going to be an exciting Singapore Grand Prix. All right. Well, safe travels, boys. Uh, we will be back after Singapore Grand Prix. I'm very, very excited. Don't forget to tune in on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, if you liked this video platform, do let us know and we'll try our very best to, to get more and more of that out. If you prefer audio as well, just let us know. Leave us feedback, leave us questions. Thanks for all of those that have shared questions so far. Uh, and thank you so much for watching. My name is Daniel Woodruff. I'm Weiron Tan. I'm Jasmine Jafar. And that was Suited and Booted. Try safe.